Hi, this is Pastor Sam Murphy from Christ Centered Church, and you are listening to Christ Centered Cast. Prior to COVID-19 changing life as we know it, with, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you would say that uh, in the course of the year, each year, there's something that would take place in your life, perhaps it could be some date or event or activity or whatever, that you look forward to every year, because no matter how rough and difficult that year was, no matter what you were going through, no matter where you were with the Lord and with the relationships in your life, you knew that when that event or that thing or that day was coming up, that it would be a sort of restart for you, a op- an opportunity to uh, refocus on what's important in life or to recenter your life itself so that you could then continue on through the rest of the year until this time again next year. For me, every year after I graduated from the Moody Bible Institute in 2009, it was the annual Moody Pastors Conference. Interestingly enough, called each and every year, Refocus. And the point of the Moody Pastors Conference was for pastors to go there for about a week or so, and to be able to hear God's word, to be able to sing together corporately and collectively, Uh, to be able to attend different sessions and workshops. For me, in my life, that was the thing each year that helped me essentially have a restart to finish out the rest of the year and go on into the next one. Unfortunately, they're not currently doing that. My hope is that they will begin doing that again at some point in the future. But that was an opportunity for me as a pastor to go and to hear God's word and to come back to what was important and to uh, seek to apply God's word in my life, uh, and to often hear things that I wasn't really going to hear anywhere else because my job throughout the year is to feed others rather than uh, always being directly fed myself. And maybe, I don't know, uh, if that's, you can think of something in your life like that, but for me, the key in the pastor's conference throughout the course of the entire week wasn't just getting away, it wasn't just having a break, it wasn't just having fun and doing that kind of stuff. It was really for me, about going to hear God's word from people who could accurately divide it and help me to see how it would apply to my life as a leader and as a believer. When we think about God's word, well, the reality is, oftentimes we don't. Even when we think about church and we think about what is going on with church and the things that we're doing, sometimes we can let God's word go to the back burner. We can let it become something that's not our main focus and not what we're looking at and trying to accomplish. Sometimes we can look to church for other things rather than the coming and studying and understanding what God says for us and to us and what we are to communicate back to him. As we've been going through Nehemiah and we've been talking about rebuilding, in this case after a pandemic, we've talked about building the walls, we've talked about the different things that come into our lives that can become obstacles or hindrances to God building something in our lives, whether that is some aspect of our lives in a relationship, a career, a testimony, whatever it is. We've talked about all these other different things related to rebuilding our lives and and rebuilding church and ministry. But as we've talked about those things, and we've talked about building the outside, we've talked about Uh, growing the body, what we have to stop and realize, and what we're going to see tonight as we look at God's Word, is that all of that matters very little if what we're trying to build isn't actually centered on what truly matters. 
And in this case, that is God's word. Because if the church and if our lives are not centered on the word of God, then what we're doing here as a church and a ministry is really simply a social club that makes very little eternal impact. God wanted his people here in Nehemiah to be centered on his word so that they could then proclaim his glory to the surrounding nations. And he still wants us to do that today as a church, as a ministry, and with our lives. And as we look at this account tonight in Nehemiah chapter 8, we're going to see the man of God, Nehemiah, is joined by the prophet Ezra. Now, it's important when you look at Scripture to look at Ezra and Nehemiah as kind of two parts of the same, or two sides of the same coin, really, because those books are so related and so connected, and those guys were contemporaries of one another. And what we see here in chapter 8 is really essentially, as I've made jokes before, it's kind of a joke, but kind of not, it was uh, the first recorded Bible conference in Nehemiah chapter 8, where everyone gathered together to hear the word of God and to hear what it meant for their lives. After completing the walls and calling all of God's people back to come back to Jerusalem, the people gather on the first day of the year of their Jewish religious calendar. It was a special holiday. To recenter their lives on the word of God. And it's from this chapter then we're going to see some principles tonight. We're going to learn some things about how we as God's people today can recenter our own lives on the word of God just like they did in Nehemiah chapter 8. And that is what we're going to take from the text today. We're going to ask the question of Nehemiah chapter 8 today. How can we as God's people recenter our lives on God's word? How can we move away from all the things that have distracted us about church and about our faith and about religion and everything that's going on in our country right now, all of those things that have pulled us in a million directions, how can we now come back to making God's Word the center of our lives and making it what drives our decisions and our opinions and our thoughts and our feelings and our very lives? Let's begin by looking at the text. We're going to see that the, the, the first thing that we must do in order to refocus our lives or in order to recenter our lives rather on the word of God is to bring our focus back to it. We must refocus on the word of God by reading it. By reading it. We're going to recenter our lives, bring ourselves back to center to move forward. Then we have to recenter, we have to refocus on the word of God by reading it. And that's exactly what they did in Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. We see, and all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. We remember we talked about the water gate a couple months ago of the various gates and all the, the symbolism. The water gate was the one that didn't have to be repaired at all. It was the one that had uh, stood without needing any repair even after the walls had been destroyed and everything had been wiped out. So there's some symbolism here. This was referenced back then. I had mentioned this. So here we are in Nehemiah chapter 8. Everyone gathered together before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Maathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, 
Hilkiah, and Messiah on his right hand, and Pedaiah, Mishael, uh, Milkajah, Hashem, Hashbananah, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathai, Hodiah, Maiah, Kalida, Azariah, Josabad, Hannah, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Now, what we have to realize is the context for this. The Word of God hadn't been read publicly like that for, some scholars estimate, 90 years. And here we have now, after the walls are rebuilt, the people, many of the people have been called back to Jerusalem to come home. Now they realize the most important thing that they can do is gather together as a people and to read the Word of God corporately together. Think about that. They realize it, and it says that the people gathered, and they asked Ezra to do it. It wasn't even like Ezra was was like, okay, I'm the religious guy, so my job is to get everybody together to do this whole Bible reading thing. The people recognized the importance of it and asked him to do it, and he did it. And they, they gathered together on the first day of the seventh month, which was the beginning of their religious holiday. They recognized that that was the most important thing to do on their most important day of this particular religious festival. So they call Ezra. Ezra brings all of this out, and he begins to read the Word of God. And when we talk about refocusing on the Word of God and giving us the ability and opportunity to recenter our lives by refocusing on God's Word, what we see here from the text is we get some insights on how we can refocus on the Bible, how we can refocus on the Word of God. And the first is by giving it our attention. Those first three verses, the people gave the Word of God their attention. We see in verse at the end of verse 3, it says, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. They were actively listening. And we talked about that a little bit today in C3 with the kids because they were having some focus issues. And as some of the instructors were talking, myself included, uh, the kids would be looking around here, playing with their belt. Now, if you've been around martial arts or involved in all martial arts, you understand exactly how unacceptable that sort of thing is. So I had to talk with them at the end of class about focus and demonstrating attention to what's going on and what's taking place, to focusing on what's being said. And we see here with God's people, they recognize the importance of the reading of his word, so they gave it their attention. The, the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. If we're going to recenter our lives on God's word and we start by refocusing on it, by, we have to give it our attention. We have to recognize that the word of God, that God's word, the Bible, is worth listening to and worth making the time to pay attention to it, seeing its value. They not only listened and paid attention when it was read to them, but they also gave it respect. Now, this is interesting in what happened here. Because originally, I did this 
when we looked at this about six years ago. I don't know, some of you, actually many of you were there for it six years ago. When we looked at this passage and I had all of you stand for like 10 or 15 minutes while we read through the whole passage, some of you are going, I remember, like an old war story, right? No, but uh, that was only like 10 or 15 minutes of reading through the whole passage. What you have to realize here is that when the people heard the word of God, it was we see in verse 5, it says, and as he opened it, all the people stood. Now, this Bible reading, this scripture reading, took place over the course of about, of about five or six hours. That's, uh, the people stood while God's word was read for about five to six hours. Because you even see the passage of time in the text. Now, we're not going to do that today. Uh, I can't even imagine in this current day asking anyone to do that. But what it does is it demonstrates a respect for the word of God that I think sometimes we lose, even as, as, as churches. Because it was very common back then to stand as the word of God was read. And that's what they did. They were focused, they were attentive, and they respected the word of God. They knew, and this is, again, it wasn't a habit, it wasn't a practice at this point. Because it had been quite some time before that was a thing. But, they, God moved and worked in the people, and they recognized the importance of his word and hearing from him. So they stood. They respected it. They refocused on the word of God by reading it, by giving it their attention, by putting their ears toward it, and by standing and showing with their bodies. But then it goes even farther than that. Not only did they give it their attention, and not only did they show it their respect, but they also worshipped it, or really more specifically, they worshipped God through it. And we see this in verses 6 through 8. There's a lot of action going on here. It's one of the things I love about this passage, because on the surface you might think, oh, this is just a passage about sitting down and reading the Bible, but it's not. It's about getting actively engaged in hearing from God, something that we've lost so much in our culture today of just coming to church and sitting and listening and then going and moving on with our lives. Look at what the people do. So they're, they're attentive. They're engaged, they're standing. And then in verse 6, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And what did the people do? They responded. It says they answered, Amen, Amen. Verily, truly, it is so. They responded, Amen and Amen. So they were speaking, and then they do something else. Now, I know some of the churches that I was associated with and, and kind of came out of over the years would just be aghast if they read something like this, or at least if they, you know, realize that it still applied to us today. But uh, it, it, they, they, look at they, they stood, they said amen out loud, they lifted up their hands. So while they were saying amen, amen, hands are going in the air. So bodies are up, they're standing while they're preaching, so to speak, because this is the preaching at this point. Hands are in the air, saying amen, standing five to six hours, giving it their attention. Again, it boggles the mind, doesn't it, when we think about how we do church nowadays. And, but then they do something else. They bow their heads and they worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. So, hands to the heavens, faces to the ground, standing, listening. It seems so simple, right? And yet we've lost it. But all of these mechanics, all of these physical things that they're doing are a demonstration of what's taking place on the inside. And their recognition of the importance of God's word in their lives. 
And they had gone so long without having it read corporately, publicly like this, that they recognized the value of it. And they wanted to listen, and they did for hours and hours that day. They refocused their whole being, all of themselves physically, on God's Word and taking it in and listening and thinking about it. And what we see in the text, there's some awesome transitions between passages here that I absolutely love. Because in verse 8, after we see this physical demonstration of focus and attention on God's Word being read, verse 8, and we have a list of a bunch of names again, right? Like I mentioned the baby names and the big lists. So we have more names here. And all of these names, uh, what we have here is also the Levites. So that second group, the first group was probably community leaders, and the second group was Levites. So the Levites are doing their job of helping people understand the law. It even goes so far as to tell us that they gave the sense of the law, meaning they explained it so that it could be understood. That's one of the things that's just so jarring and, and, and it just makes me go, wow, that there was a point in human history where people were actually executed for translating the word of God into a language that could be understood. I, that, I'll, never, I'll never be able to get my brain around that, that people would do that. But here we see God's people giving a sense of what the law was so the people could understand it. It was very important. You see the word understand over and over and over and over again throughout this passage. And it, when you read the Bible, those are important things to note when there's repetition like that. So they heard it. They were attentive. They wanted to know the religious leaders there, the Levites, helped them understand what was being read to them over the course of five to six hours as they had their hands in the air and were shouting amen and their faces to the ground. They read from the book, from the law of God, and this helped them refocus their lives on the word of God and it set them on the course for rebuilding what was the most important aspect of living there in Jerusalem. And that was centering their lives on God. We see in our own lives that if we're going to come back to the center of what's important in our lives, we have to start with the Word of God. We have to start with the Scriptures. We have to get engaged in the Scriptures. We need to read it. We need to listen to it. Maybe, maybe you're not a reader. I love listening to God's Word, and maybe that's how you're wired. And that's a fantastic way. That's what these folks did here. They listened to it because they didn't have access to it all written down like we do that we take for granted. They listened to it. Listen to God's word. Take it in. Let it affect you like it did them. Where are you with God's word in your life? Is it something you break out when it's time to come to church on Saturday? Or maybe talk about it at some point in the middle of the week if you get together with a group or whatever? Or is it something that you look at or listen to daily? You take the opportunity to internalize, to recognize the value of and the importance in we must see, and my challenge to you first tonight is, if you're going to recenter your life on what's important, in the midst of all the craziness we have going on in the world right now, you have to start with God's Word. You have to start with the Bible. The next thing you have to do is to seek to understand it. And again, that's what we see here, the repetition throughout the text. They understood, they helped them understand, they understood... And what we see here is we, we transition in the text and we continue into the next section, verses 9 through 12, is that there were some outcomes that took place as a result of the people understanding. And these are outcomes that we should see in our own lives when we understand God's word when we read it too. 
in verses 9 through 12. And Nehemiah, there he is, right? We didn't see him in the first part of the passage at all because they kind of gave Ezra the spotlight, Ezra and the Levites. But now Nehemiah pops back up in verse 9 because he's involved in all of this in the, in the Bible conference that they're doing there. So Nehemiah pops back up and it says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and there's Ezra again with him, and Ezra and the priests and scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. So here's that fantastic transition. The people refocus their lives, their ears, their whole bodies on God's word and what God has to say to them through the law. And then, because they understand it, because people help them understand it, and because of their attention and focus, because of their understanding, it did something in them. It made a difference in their lives. It affected them. You see, first we must refocus on the Word of God by reading it, if we're going to recenter our lives. The next thing we have to do after we've refocused, or through refocusing on the Word of God, is to rejoice in it through understanding. Because that's what the people do here. Now, they don't start out rejoicing seemingly, right? In fact, we see here in the text that they start out by weeping. There seems to be a huge emotional dump as a response to what they've heard. And if we're going to rejoice in God's word, we have to start with allowing it to affect us. And that's what they did. It moved them to emotion. When was the last time that you read or heard scripture and it hit you, and you went, ah, wow. You were either maybe convicted of sin, or maybe you were struggling, and you were encouraged by it and lifted up. Maybe you were strengthened when you didn't feel like you could make it through the day. When was the last time the Word of God did something to you, that you felt it, that it moved you to emotion? The people here were moved to tears, to mourning. Because, again, it had been so long since they'd heard the Word of God. I'll bet those folks were probably hearing things some of them had never even heard in their whole lives. And they were like, oh, I shouldn't be doing that, or I should be doing this, or my attitude is this, and it shouldn't be this, or it should be that, or this needs to change, or that needs to be different. Can you even imagine? There was probably some people there that were like, God, oh, I, I had it all wrong all this time about God. And now they're hearing the truth about who God is and what He's done for His people and what He wants from His people and what kind of a relationship He wants with His people. And they were moved by it. They were mourning and weeping. They were moved to emotion from the text. But what happens here? Ezra and the Levites call the people, they call to the people and they say, hey, Look, guys, yes, this is the truth of God's word, but you must realize that today is a day uh, that's holy to the Lord. There's no need to mourn and to weep. Yeah, we, we should recognize, of course, our sin, but 
We must realize that there's joy in the Word of God because we're not lost in our sin. We're not stuck there. We don't have to be. We can be right with God. There's rejoicing in that. Because that's what the law does. The law's job, as we see in the law, prior to Christ coming to fulfill the law, was that the law convicts of sin. It points out how far we are from where we need to be with God. But it doesn't leave us there. Because it points forward to a Messiah that the New Testament fulfills in Jesus Christ. So they wanted the people to to see, yes, you recognize how far you are from God, but you don't have to stay there. Today is a day of rejoicing. It's a holy day, a day that you can dedicate to the Lord your God. Don't weep, don't mourn. See the hope that you can have in a relationship with God. And it, it impacted them. You see that actual change and transition that takes place in the people. This day is holy to the Lord your God. They were moved on the inside. By reading God's Word, by hearing God's Word, by understanding God's Word. When was the last time that you came to church expecting to hear something from God? Expecting to be moved by something that God was to say to you? Coming with the hope that God would speak into your life somehow. And that you could interact with Him on that level. That you could learn and grow. When was the last time the Word of God moved you emotionally? And the the, the priests and the the Levites said, not only is this a day that's holy to the Lord your God, but they then tell them to go out, to go your way, to eat the fat, to drink the sweet wine, to celebrate. Imagine that. Convicted of their sin and their distance from God, revealed how far they were from Him, came to the understanding that they don't have to stay that way, that there is hope, and the priests and Levites tell them to go out rejoicing, now knowing who they are in God and their relationship with Him as His chosen people. And he even he tells them that the joy, don't be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, when we rejoice in God's word, not only should it move us to emotion, but it should also give us strength. And that's what the priests and the Levites were communicating to the people that day when they were telling them, yes, of course, there's going, going to be times when you're not going to feel especially happy about what you read and what you understand, but you can have hope in it and you can be strengthened by it. And we see that transition in the people. The mourning and weeping to the joy that comes from the strength that we receive from God's Word. They say, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet wine, send portions. Let everyone know, people who don't have anything. We see charity here essentially in this religious holiday. God's people, God calling His people to give to others. It's even an Old Testament thing. And He tells them, do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all of the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy, do not be grieved. And the people respond. We see a change in the demeanor of God's people here. They started out mourning and weeping, and they're leaving rejoicing. Verse 12, And all the people went their way to eat the drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing, because they understood the words that were declared to them. You see how important it is to understand God's word? Because it takes us from recognizing how far we are from Him to realizing the strength that we can have in Him to bringing us to the place where we can rejoice in Him and our relationship with Him and to share that then with others. You see, if we're going to recenter our lives on God's Word in this crazy world right now, we start by refocusing on the Word. We seek to understand it. When we understand it then, we rejoice in it. 
And there's something else. There's a, the last thing that we do with God's word. Once we've read it, we've focused on it, we've understood it, we've rejoiced in it, well, then the last thing, we have to do something with that, right? Because what good does it do us to read God's word, to understand it, and then to not do anything with it? And this is, I love it because you have the principles of Bible interpretation here. You've got your, your interpretation, well, really your, your exposition. Uh, you're taking the, the text and un- taking the understanding out of the text. You're interpreting it and you're applying it. You're doing something practical with it. And that's what the people do here. So that kind of closes out day one. So all of these folks have been standing there a good chunk of the day, listening to the word of God, hands in the air, faces to the ground, saying, amen, amen, really understanding because there's folks there who are helping them understand the law and they're getting it. They're moved emotionally. They're strengthened by it. And then they're called to leave rejoicing in it. And that closes out the first day. But we have two days that take place here. So this is kind of like an overnight Bible conference. The whole festival takes place over the course of a week. And that's going to be particularly particularly relevant in this last part. So at the beginning of verse 13, we move on to day two. So the first day was what we just talked about. And we see then that on day two, everything that took place on day one ultimately leads to action, to doing something with the word of God, to applying it. Verse 13, on the second day, the heads of fathers' houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. So they're getting together again, but it's not everyone this time. It's only certain people, but they're getting together to study the word of God again. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all of their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths, as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof, and in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God, and in the square at the water gate, and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths, and lived in the booths, for from the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, to that day the people of Israel had not done so. And there was very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. So on the second day, a bunch of people get back together to hear more from the word of God to learn more. And in the midst of hearing and learning more from the Word of God, they discover, it seems, this section in there in the, in the Law of Moses about commanding the people to celebrate the festival of booths. And they were already doing that here. That's initially that kicked off that celebration there the prior day when they were reading the Law. And then what they found out in the text was, hey, there's a way that we can visibly live out what we just read in God's Word and put everything that we just heard into practice. Again, it's one of those things that today would make us go, I don't know that we should do that. And that in this case was, they were to go out and they were to get various kinds of branches and essentially natural building material and to build what are called booths or like little tents or little shelters. And they were to live in them for the course of the week throughout the course of the festival. 
So imagine this, if you will, those of you who have been to my house, it would be like if I went out and got some sticks from the neighbor's yard and built like a little lean-to on my slab in front of my condo and decided to just live in that for a week and try to cook in that and eat in that and sleep in that. That's what we're talking about here. But that's what the people did. That's the Festival of Booze. That's the Feast of Tabernacles. That's what we have here. And they recognize that. They read it in the Word and they go, well, that's what God told them to do. And that's how they applied and listened to and obeyed God's Word. We need to do the same. Now, again, I'm not saying today that we do that. Well, for one, because we're not Israel, we're not Jewish. And for two, we don't do the same things that they did religious festival-wise. But that is what they did. That is how they applied God's word. They heard it. They paid attention to it. They understood it. It moved them. And then they acted on it or applied it. So that's exactly what they did. It says uh, they were told to go out into the hills and bring the branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. And so it's interesting that they looked at God's word and they considered how it was applied in the past and sought to apply it that way for them today. When you have heard God's word, when you've listened to it, when you've paid attention to it, when you've understood it and you knew what God was saying, have you then taken it and looked at how it was applied both in the text and in life from then on? Because there are oftentimes keys in God's word that we can look at how his people responded, either good or bad, and we can learn how to apply God's word as well, things that we can then do. And that's what they did. They looked at how it was applied in the past. One key thing that we can hear from God's word tonight that we can learn from and seek to apply is the idea of paying attention to his word and then letting it move us and affect us. I'm not saying that we all have to put our hands in the air or uh, do that. I mean, that's that should be a spirit-led thing, and if that's what the spirit does in your life, and that's what you feel you need to do in your worship, that's fine. That's not something I'm going to try to make everyone do, because again, I believe it's a spirit thing. But I think that we should be at least open to what God wants to do in us and how He wants us to respond to Him. And that's one way that we could do that in a practical way that we saw there that they did that we could do today. So they looked at how it was applied in the past. They sought to apply it that way today. Now, when we apply God's word, many of you have been in church long enough to know that when we preach, you guys, you get applications, especially for me, because I'm kind of big on the whole, like, what do you do with it? And uh, you probably figured out that there's things like, when Abraham is told by God to sacrifice and offer his son Isaac, I didn't ever tell you to take your children and go and put them on an altar and call God to bring a lamb in to be a sacrifice, because that's not what we would do. But there are ways, and that's an extreme example, of course, but there are ways that we can apply even those texts because God's word is meant to be applied. But we have to make the effort to do the work to figure out how. Sometimes it's right there on the surface. Sometimes it takes really good interpretation of God's word, and it might even take outside resources who can help us understand the text to help us then apply it. And that's kind of what my job is, actually. But we have to put the work in to try to apply it. The people saw the word of God, the truth of God, what God had called his people to do in the past, and they sought to take it and do something with it. And in this case, it meant building lean-tos out of branches. But they did it. And they eagerly did it. They eagerly sought to apply it. Verse 16, so the people went out. Like, they, they went out right then. They went out and brought the, got the branches 
And they made the booths for themselves, each on his roof and in the courts and in their courts of the house of God and in the square of the water gate and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. So all over the place you see these little booths made with branches and things. All is a visible representation of an application of the truth of God's word that they had heard and had moved them to action. They looked at how it was applied in the past and they sought to apply it now, to do something with it, to not just hear it and then leave unchanged. And what we see here in the text is that they didn't just do it because they felt like they had to. Because in life, when we feel like we're doing something because we have to, how much do we often enjoy that? Like, when your parents, when you were young or are young, and your parents made you do something, how much did you love doing that? I mean, you love your parents, at least I hope anyway, but you may not have loved exactly what they asked you to do. But hopefully you obeyed and did it because that was the right thing to do and what God wants you to do. And then that translates into when you get a job and you get asked to do something by your boss. You may not love it. You may not like it, but it's your job. So you do it because it's the right thing to do. That's a whole lot different than recognizing what you want to do, or what you should do, rather, applying something and doing it with joy. That's what the people did here. They applied it with joy. So they went out, they got all the branches, they built the structures in verse 17, and all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths. And I I think it's important here that it says, for from the days of Jeshua the son of Nun to that day the people of Israel had not done so. So there's a huge gap in history there. And, And I wonder if some of the rejoicing wasn't realizing what they hadn't been doing and what they should have been doing, and then actually realizing the opportunity they had in taking it. And I think that informs and affects our approach to our obedience to God. And I'm going a little bit off book here. Well, no, I'm going on book, but off script, I guess, if that's how you would phrase it. But I think that's really what it boils down to when we talk about obeying God and applying His Word. There's two approaches. We can look at it as though it's something that we have to do because we're being made to do it. Or we can see it as an opportunity to express our love for God and find joy in it, to rejoice in obedience to applying His Word. And we have a perfect example here of His people choosing to rejoice in it and it profoundly impacting everything about them. It says at the end of verse 17, there was very great rejoicing. So not just great rejoicing like we've seen throughout the text, but there was in his people this great rejoicing that took place as a result of hearing the word of God, understanding what it means, seeing the difference that it could make in their lives, and then putting that into practice. So many times we miss out on the great rejoicing that comes from all of those steps in the process because we might get a certain way in and just go, this is too hard, it's not worth the work, or we get distracted, or we drift and get off center again. But we can see when we take the understanding of God's word to its full conclusion, the difference it can make for all of us in our lives, in our attitudes, in our demeanors, in our relationships with God and other people. They found joy in putting God's word into practice. So what are we going to do with this text today, with Nehemiah chapter 8? I mean, you could, you could teach this text to an introductory Bible study class as what you do with God's Word. And my hope is that next time you're wondering, 
or God's word or the Bible seems overwhelming, I hope that you come back to this and look at the steps in the process. What we learn from this text is that when God wants to build something and he was building a city, he was rebuilding his people with the wall and the structures and the religious system and all of it. When God wants to build something, whatever it is, he wants it to be centered on his word, the scriptures. Because that's the most important thing here. The most important thing when we build something isn't the size of the structure, the number of the people that fill it. Tonight we saw that it's really about making sure that it's centered on the right thing, and that's the scriptures. So here is how we put that into practice. First of all, you got to break out your Bible. you got to get reacquainted with it. Whether it is the book, or whether it is your phone, or a tablet, or the computer, Honestly, it doesn't matter. God has given all of those means in order to hear his word, to receive his word, to learn his word, and to apply his word. But no matter what, we've got to break it out. We've got to do something with it. And at the very least, if you're going to come here on Saturdays, come ready to worship with an attitude of reverence when we gather together. Come in, even if you don't do it physically, Come in at least with a spirit that says, Amen. Ready to hear God's word. Ready to learn how to apply it. And then to be able to go out and put it into practice. And that's something we can all do. We've got to break out our Bibles. And then, secondly, we have to intend to interpret it. It takes intention to understand God's word. Because a lot of it isn't super easy to understand on the surface. There's a lot of different cultural and, and, and hurdles and things that we have to jump over and move through, but we have some tools that God has given us. God tells us he gives us the gift of pastors and teachers and evangelists and all of those people to help us understand it. But he also gives us something even more important in understanding his scriptures, and that's himself. When we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, and the Holy Spirit does something called illumination. It illuminates or it, it it gives light to the text as we read it and understand it. When I first started do, having a devotional life when I was a teenager in high school, I was in church and I was, getting, I was getting some pretty solid teaching, but I grew the most through my own personal devotional time. And every time I would open my Bible and I would open whatever devotional material I was working through, even as a 15, 16-year-old guy, let's just say that learning was not high on my priority list at 15, 16 years old, but every time I would do that, I would pray and I would say, God, I don't understand most of this, but I know you can help me and I know the Holy Spirit's going to help me. And over every, doing it every day for years, I learned more about the Bible that way probably than I have in any class I've sat in or any of that because the Holy Spirit does teach. But we have to intend to interpret it. And you can do that. Seek outside resources when necessary. And every time you go to the Bible, pray that the Holy Spirit will help you understand it. And he will. So we've got to break out our Bibles. We've got to intend to interpret it. And then we've got to aim to apply it. That, that also takes intention and effort. You've got to aim to apply it. Every time you interact with the text, ask God how he wants you to put it into practice. Again, some things are going to be easier than others to apply. That are they're going to be there when it says, you know, don't use potty words in the scripture. Well, I mean, that's pretty on the surface, right? We know if we're going to apply that, we just don't use potty words, right? 
But some of the other things are a little more complicated, especially when you get into Leviticus. And if you're trying to work your way through Leviticus, get with me and I'll give you some ideas for some principles and how to apply some of those things. Like it's really okay to wear clothes of two different fabrics, but there is a principle there that God intends for us to still apply, but I'm not going to tell you what it is right now. You've got to come to me and I'll tell you. But what we have in the text is that God wants us to apply it. He wants us to put it into practice. So we've got to look for other, we've got to look for examples of other people and how they've done it, both in the scriptures and in life. If you know people who are mature in the faith and you're struggling with how to apply a text, go to them and just say, hey, this is what I'm seeing, this is what I'm reading, I've prayed, I'm trying to understand it. What has been your experience with it? How would you think that you would apply it? Or how have you applied it in the past? So you've got to, you got to, you have to put work into it and you have to ask other people if you don't know. But the greatest reward in all of it on the other side is the joy that you can experience. When you've heard the word of God, taken the time to interpret it and understand it, figured out how to apply it, and then put it into practice. That is, that's like the Holy Spirit on fire within you, bringing a joy that nothing else will. Now I challenge you, encourage you with that tonight. That if you're going to recenter your life, on God's word and on God himself in the midst of all the craziness that we're going through right now, you've got to do these things. But if you do, it'll make all the difference in the world. Father God, thank you so much for your word and for giving us a word that we can understand, that you've given us the tools to be able to understand. And Lord, I pray that we would come to you with a reverence when it's time to hear it, and that we would also make time to look at it, to listen to it, and then to make the effort to understand and put it into practice. Oh God, I pray that as a people, we would recenter our lives on your word and that we would be people of your text and that we would communicate that to others, Lord, as well. We can't thank you enough. And I pray that we would be moved internally to show you how much we love you and how much it means to us. And thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit to help us and to give us an example of how to do all of this. And it's in your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray tonight. Amen. Thank you for listening to Christ Centered Cast. Please join us again next week. God bless.